On this podcast, I will share with you that which God has shown me about blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. It's a very serious thing to do that. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So it's terrifying. I believe I can share with you some things that God has shown me about this subject. It happened to me almost immediately, as soon as I was born again. My best friend told me I had to go to church. And I said, I do? And she said, yes. So I went to church with her and her husband at a small non-denominational church in Dallas, Texas. The pastors from that church were teachers, professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. At the time I was going, or started going to that church, the head pastor was teaching a seminar for two or three days about the subject of tongues being from the devil. I'm sure I'd never heard of tongues before. But I went to the seminar. I went to his services also that he was teaching at that church. And he was teaching that theme every service that I went to, that tongues are of the devil. Well, I didn't want anything to do with the devil. One day, I was reading the New Testament Bible, and I saw a verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. The Apostle Paul says, Covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. I was so shocked. This is exactly opposite from what this pastor at the church I was attending was teaching. He was teaching tongues are of the devil. Paul is teaching forbid not to speak with tongues. I told my best friend, we were riding along in the car, and I told her what I'd read in the Bible. I said, Donna, did you know in the Bible that Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues? She pulled the car off to the side of the road and said, let me see that. I had a little Bible, little New Testament Bible that I carried in my purse. So I took it out and found it and gave it to Donna for her to read. And she said, let's go to my house and look this up in the different translations of the Bible that I have at my house. And I said, okay. I had a King James Version in my purse. Every Bible that we looked at at her house said the same thing. Forbid 
not to speak with tongues, and yet they were forbidding tongues at the church we were attending. I told Donna, I said, well, I'm not going to go back to that church. She said, well, I'm not going either. This was a critical decision in my life. Choose the Bible over your church. Leave that church if they're teaching you anything opposite to the Bible. And that's what I've done for the past 40 years. When I heard something being taught opposite to the Bible or something being added to the Bible that wasn't in the Bible, I would go to the pastor and talk to him. And I've had two pastors tell me, all right, it's not in the Bible. They didn't repent. They were just angry with me. That's Antichrist. Antichrist doesn't repent. In the book of Revelation, chapter 9, we can read that even with all the plagues, the ones that were sinning against God did not repent, even with all the plagues of the Great Tribulation. Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stones and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. To attribute the works of God and the Holy Spirit to being works of the devil would be blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. It is an unpardonable sin. On the road to Damascus, Jesus revealed himself to the Apostle Paul. Let's look at Acts 9. And Saul, Paul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be shown thee 
what to do. Was this blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? Paul was killing Christians. He was bounding them up and bringing them to prison and consenting unto their death. At the time this happened, technically Jesus called Paul into the ministry with this um, situation on, in Acts 9 when he revealed himself to Paul. Was it blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? No. Why? What did Jesus say when he talked about blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? Ma uh, this is in Matthew 12, ver verses 31 and 32. Jesus said, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speak against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Paul was persecuting the followers of Jesus. He was not blaspheming the Holy Ghost. He was speaking against Jesus and the way of Jesus, of Jesus being the Messiah. Whosoever shall speak us the word against the Son of Man, it shall be given, forgiven him. Also, at one point, Paul said he was forgiven because he did it in ignorance. What about that pastor at that church I went to who was teaching tongues were of the devil? He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. I believe this is a clear illustration of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Some people think the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they teach against that. And some people in their congregations are terrified to think of anything about the Holy Spirit. The ones who teach against the Holy Spirit, I think, are in great peril because the Bible is filled with information about the Holy Spirit, the New Testament Bible. But those people who hear them teach about the Holy Spirit, they're basically sitting there in ignorance like Paul was when he persecuted the Christians. He was forgiven, he said, because he did it in ignorance. When I attended Believer's Chapel, I didn't doubt that what that pastor was saying. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. I knew nothing. I was a new Christian. He said tongues are of the devil. I believed him that tongues are of the devil until I saw it in the Bible where Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues. Those who are sitting in the congregations listening to these men who teach things against the Spirit of God, a teach against the gifts of the Spirit of God, forbid the gifts of the Spirit of God to surface in the church. These men, 
I believe, are blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. But the ones sitting there are sitting there in ignorance. If God reveals to you through the Bible like he did to me that that church pastor was teaching opposite to Bible, you can't just sit there. Because if you continue to sit there, you're going along with the evil of the pastor who is blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. So when you hear something being taught that's opposite to the Bible, you have to choose between the Bible and that church group, just like I did. I didn't hesitate. I told Donna, I'm not going back to that church. And she said, well, I'm not going back either. And we both left that church. And that's what we have to do when we hear them teaching against something that's in the Bible. A Baptist woman told me this story. We went to high school together. And she told me this story. She said she went into Pinkston's grocery store one day. We lived in a little tiny village. And everybody knew everybody. She said she went into Pinkston's grocery store one day. And she saw a young man standing at the counter. And all of a sudden, she knew she was going to marry him. When he left the store, she said to Brad, said Brad Pinkston, she said, who was that? He says, oh, he's Jerry Greer, said he's uh, working on one of the farms here. And Wynette said, I'm going to marry him. Brad said, oh, you shouldn't say things like that. I said, I, I mean, I thought the story was wonderful. I just delighted in the story because I knew it was the Holy Spirit showing this to Wynette. And I said to Wynette, oh, Wynette, that was a word of knowledge from God. That was a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. She just turned ghostly white and was terrified. I didn't ask her why she was so afraid, but I suspect it was because she had been taught at the Baptist church that she attended to stay away from those gifts of the Holy Spirit. I didn't talk to her about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was just one of those bang-bang things which happens to you in life where someone says something and you say something else and they're shocked. When I wrote this story for the podcast writing, I just delighted again in that story. To me, it was so wonderful. This story of the Holy Spirit speaking to Wynette was so wonderful. I had no doubt it was a word of knowledge. It turned out she did marry Jerry, and they were married 60 years approximately until Jerry died. I thought it was wonderful. I love the things of the Holy Spirit. But as a new Christian, I was taught to fear the things of the Holy Spirit. And only by going to the Bible and looking at all the writings on the subject of tongues, I looked at all the writings in the New Testament on that and compared one writing with the other writing. And I agreed that tongues were of God because the Bible convinced me.
And that's what we have to do. Divorce, remarriage. You have to go and look at all the scriptures on that subject. You have to pray for wisdom. Be led by God. Compare one scripture with the other. And only if you are born again are you likely to really see the truth. Although you might be born again by reading the scriptures like that. My mother was born again at a time that you would never expect her to be born again. As a child, we we never went to church and we never had we didn't have a Bible. I never heard my parents speak against God or against church. We just didn't go. My favorite aunt was a Church of Christ member and when we visited her in another city, I would often go with her to Church of Christ. But my mother never went to church. Well, one time the pastor, when I was about five years old, he said, why didn't your mother come to church? And I said, Em ain't got no clothes. (laughs) That's what my mother always said. I don't have any clothes to go to church. Of course, everybody laughed. But I went to church with my aunt when we went to visit her on weekends, if it was a Sunday. But my mother and dad never went to church. People would say to my dad, Oh, you should go to church. You'd be a great Christian. He was probably already born again. He just didn't go to church. (laughs) He would help anybody at any time with anything. He was a mechanic, and so he had lots of opportunity to help people. My mother, on the other hand, just didn't like to leave the house at all. I went to visit her after I was born again, and I opened the cabinet, the kitchen cabinet, and I noticed some Zodiac mugs sitting there. I had given them to her before I was born again. I took a garbage bag and began putting those mugs into a plastic garbage bag. My mother was sitting there watching me, And when she realized what I was about to do, she said, Wait, what are you going to do? I want to keep those. You gave those to me. I didn't say one word to her. I filled the bag with all the mugs, went to the dumpster, broke the mugs so no one else could use them, and threw them in the dumpster. When I went back into the house, I didn't say a word. My mother didn't say a word. I went to my bedroom, got my Bible, came back, opened it up, to Deuteronomy 18 and began reading her Deuteronomy 18 at verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. 
I closed the Bible, and she didn't say anything. She sat there thinking. And then she said, Well, I guess we'd better not do that anymore. All her life, she had loved horoscopes. We would go to the drugstore when we were in town, and she would buy the monthly horoscope magazine, and she would read, most days, she would read my horoscope to me when I was in elementary school. Now, what happened in this experience? She heard the Word of God. The Holy Spirit convicted her of her sin, and she agreed with God and was born again at that second because she agreed with that which God said. When I was sitting in that church at Believer's Chapel where they were teaching tongues were of the devil, I had no reason not to believe, but I I really just wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted nothing to do with the seminar or the subject. Later, I came across a prayer group And they invited me to come to their prayer group, and I went. And these four women met in the kitchen, and they would sit at the kitchen table, and one of them would say, I read this story in the newspaper. We should pray for this person. I was really impressed. I don't think I would have ever thought of praying for someone that I read about in the newspaper. Well, they said they, she would told them the story of what was going on, and they agreed they should pray for this woman. So they bowed their heads, and I bowed my head, and I heard some kind of undercurrent sound, very low sound, and I didn't know what it was, and then I realized they're praying in tongues, and I was terrified because of what I'd learned at Believer's Chapel. Even though I'd left Believer's Chapel by then, there was a root of that terror that still stuck in me about tongues. I really didn't want anything to do with anyone who was speaking in tongues. But here I'm sitting at the kitchen table with four of them. They're very lowly. There's that very low murmur. And then one of them begins to pray in English. I wanted to get out of there just as soon as I possibly could because I was afraid. The woman that had brought me to the group said to me, Now, Joan, don't let this trouble you. But it did. I was so frightened of these women. At that time, I owned a small business and I was having what we called satanic attacks. And when they would hit, I'd go home and just get in bed. But one of the women that worked for me would call these women from that prayer group, and they would pray for me, and I would get all right. I mean, it took a while for me to get past this subject of that teaching at Believer's Chapel. It wasn't uprooted instantly, although I never went back there. I thoroughly agreed with it being approved by God and set in the church by God that tongues were. But it was in my heart another way where it had to be uprooted. And it did get uprooted. God uprooted it. I think Wynette has the same problem with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
that she's been frightened of them. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if anyone's teaching against the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I think they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you happen to be sitting there hearing it, I recommend you do what I did. Go, go take your Bible by yourself, pray, ask God for wisdom, and read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Also, 1 Peter 4, 11. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to the church to help the church. I have often had a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, which I've given to the church. I was in a prayer group that I went to each week, and a that the women were praying about something, and I had my head bowed with them, and I heard from God, look up. So I looked up, and on the wall, I could see the outline of a stomach that was on the wall. After the women quit praying, I said, I gathered up enough courage to say, does someone have a stomach problem? And this one woman said, I do, I do. Well, I assume everybody prayed for her. I, I think she would, was healed at that moment. But I had those words of knowledge often. A young man in our, um, uh, that, that set up my sound system for me, he lived 600 miles away from me in Texas. I lived in Lubbock, and he lived on the eastern side of Texas. David came over and set up my sound system, and as he was leaving that day, he said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but they think I have ALS. My wife and I are going to Houston next week, and they're going to test me and see, but they think I have ALS. Well, my bridge partner had just died of ALS, and I knew what it was. You go paralyzed inch by inch until you're totally paralyzed. It's a horrible thing. David was 44 and had two children when this happened. He truly did have ALS, and he went totally paralyzed. His church group was praying for him, and I was praying, of course, for him to be healed. One of his church members came to visit in Lubbock and came to, came to my house. Clay said, I told Clay, I said, I just had a vision about David. I saw David on a golf course. He was totally healed. He was standing up, jumping up and down on this golf course, waving to us saying, come on, come on, join me. This is great. Clay said, don't you think that means David's going to be healed? And I said, no, Clay, David is dying. But it means his spiritual condition is okay. He died about two days later. I sent in writing a copy of what I'd seen about David to his wife and his two children, feeling it would comfort them, and I recommended they have it read at David's funeral. I don't know if they did or not. I don't even know what church she went to. But um, I thought it would comfort them to know that David's spiritual condition 
was fine and he was happy and he was whole. And he was wanting us to join him because it's so much better where he is than where we are. Now that's an example of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to help the church. They're for the church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. God showed me these outlines on a wall of what was going on. He might show you something totally different, a a word of knowledge in a totally different way, because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are shown to us by God in different ways. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. Now, I think that's what Wynette had when she said, he's going to be my husband. God had given her a word of knowledge about Jerry. That's what I had concerning David, that he was going to die. But he was all right spiritually. I used to have word of knowledge all the time when I would be in our Bible class because our Bible teacher would always say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? He invited anyone to speak things of God. And God would give me words of knowledge every time I was at the Bible class. I don't ever remember being at the Bible class that I didn't have a word of knowledge for the church But I never had one at the 11 o'clock service. Why? They did not invite the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the 11 o'clock service. The pastor never did that. But the Bible teacher always did in the Bible class. Well, I don't think God's going to give me a word of knowledge at the 11 o'clock service when I can't present the word of knowledge to the church. And I would not interrupt the pastor to present the word of knowledge. The the Holy Spirit edifies us. And people get it mixed up as to what the Holy Spirit is. I was at a little non-denominational church one time and the pastor was teaching the Sunday school class. A woman jumped up and began yelling, Praise God! Praise God! And began running all around the room saying, Praise God! And oh, the congregation got so excited and the pastor got so excited and I was absolutely horrified. That was not the Spirit of God. They thought it was the Spirit of God. It did not edify the church, what she did. Women like that have to be stopped from speaking in the church. But if you have this word of knowledge, it edifies the church. So, of course, you present it when you're invited to present it by the person in charge. But if there's no invitation at the 11 o'clock service, God never did give me a word of knowledge at the 11 o'clock service, the main church service. 
I think because the pastors never made an opening in the service for the Holy Spirit to present something. And I never once went to the 11 o'clock service. There was ever an invitation given to present a word from the Lord. But you might find it in the Bible class. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith, gift of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. You have to have interpretation if the tongue is presented, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. And if you don't have interpretation, Paul tells the person to keep silence in the church. But all these worketh that one and selfsame gift, dividing to every man severally as God wills. And in Romans chapter 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And Peter says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 4.11 If someone's teaching against the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and prohibiting them, I believe they're blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. If you are in their group and you learn from the Bible that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are from God, then you should leave that group. And if I were going to a church, I'd hunt one where I probably wouldn't go to the 11 o'clock service because I've never seen them give any opportunity for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But at the Bible class, there might be some. So I might be able to go to one of the Bible classes where I couldn't go to the 11 o'clock service. Another thing that prohibits me from going to the 11 o'clock service is that they think crackers and grape juice is the Lord's Supper. It's not. The Word of God is the Lord's Supper. Partaking of the Word of God is the Lord's Supper, not crackers and grape juice. Crackers and grape juice have no power at all. Your knees are better off if you take crackers and grape juice, nor worse off. But you are better off if you eat the Word of God and you do the Scriptures. That's where the power of God is. That is the Lord's Supper. The Word of God is the communion not crackers and grape juice. So they start offering crackers and grape juice. I, I couldn't be there. 
One time a man told me how great certain service was in Lubbock, Texas, and how he really thought I would like it. Well, I really want to go, so I called to talk to the pastor. I got a recorded message telling me the times of their services. The Lord's Supper was at 9 o'clock. I just hung up the phone. I can't go to that kind of place because I know the truth about the Lord's Supper. Therefore, I can't go against the truth by taking crackers and grape juice when I know the truth of God is the Lord's Supper is the eating and drinking of the Word of God. You cannot go against what you know to be truth once you are enlightened by God to the truth. If you go against the truth to please man, you, be, you open the door for Antichrist to move into your life. And you very likely will end up damned because you love the pleasure of the association at church more than you love the Word of God. And I'm speaking that from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that you might be damned, because listen to this scripture, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. First in, in verse 3 and 4, Paul says, Look, No man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. One day in 1982, when I read that verse of Scripture, God said to me, the falling away at the end times, the falling away are not people leaving the churches. It's the churches leaving the Scriptures and setting up other doctrines. So the churches have to fall away from Scriptures, and then that opens the door for Antichrist to move into the church. Verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. He opposes what is in the Holy Bible and sets up other doctrine. Just like at that little church I told you about where he was teaching tongues were of the devil. And that's not what the Bible says. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. It's in the churches. Antichrist is in the churches. John also told us that same thing in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18-19. He was talking to his church group, and he said, You've heard Antichrist will come. Already There are already many Antichrists who were among us. Now, in that case, they'd left John because he was teaching the truth. They go out and set up other denominations where they can teach what they want to teach. Those are the Antichrist. They cast away Scripture. So when you encounter a church group where they have eliminated Scripture and teaching something else, that's Antichrist. You have to flee that group. Now, verses uh, 10 through 12 Listen to what God says. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. I had a woman one time that I told her about Antichrist. I read her the scriptures about the Apostle John saying there were many Antichrists. 
in their churches. And an Antichrist were many people and that he came through the churches. She says, well, our church teaches that Antichrist is somebody in government, head of a government, and there's only one, and I'm, I'm just going to stay with that. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You have to give up your church group when they're teaching things opposite to the Bible. You cannot allow the pleasure of the church group to overcome the Word of God. You have to do just exactly what I did when I learned what Paul said and compared it with what they were, that pastor was saying at the church that I was attending. I never went back to that church. The Bible is the inspired word of God. We cannot turn against the Bible, for to do so is to bring damnation upon ourselves, even in one little tiny portion of Scripture, where they're teaching tongues are of the devil, or where they're teaching it's okay for a divorced woman to remarry. When 1 Corinthians 7, 11, 12 says, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. And Paul said that was a commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church. In Matthew 5.32, where it says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. If the pastor's teaching anything else other than that, if he's teaching women, it's okay to go remarry after divorce. If he's teaching, it's okay to marry a divorced woman. If he's teaching that, if he's performing wedding ceremonies in the, where the man marries a divorced woman, that's Antichrist. Opposite to the Word. Opposite to the Bible. Opposite to Christ's doctrine. You can't stay there. Because if you stay there, you become Antichrist. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.